Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. In the studio, I'm joined by finance presenter JP Ong. On the phone, we are joined by Jeff Howie from the SGX. I have actually gotten pretty sick of having to say this, but every week it is the truth. It has been a very interesting week. This week, what led the interest and the movements really was the talk of U.S. stimulus. Would there be? Would there not be? And depending on the day and the indications, markets moved up or down. Today, the SDI is up 0.22% right now at 2,533 points, JP. Yes, and uh, you know we are seeing some slight gains so far today. We're doing better than what's been a mixed picture across the rest of the region. We'll get to that in just a bit. But overall, uh, 2,533, we're, exactly, we're, almost, we're practically back where we started the week. Actually, we ended last week at 2,533. So maybe there's a little bit of sideways action going on for the STI today. Um, not a ton of value turnover once again looking a little bit more sheepish for market today. 378 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. There are more winners than losers, at least. 183 stocks, REITs, and trusts at this point in the green, 144 in the red. But you're also seeing just a bit more muted trading activity, more cautious moves, at least across the region also, especially since we're just coming off of the back of that second and final presidential debate in the U.S. The moment of truth is coming up in November elections. Uh, November 3rd elections is just around the quarter and just uh, in, uh, in little over a week. And we also have the talk of that will they or won't they do fiscal stimulus? Is it going to be necessary to have it before or before November 3? Or can we actually wait off wait from that? And it seems markets and investors seem a bit split. And while folks are a bit split, and while folks are waiting out for what could be a momentous uh, risk off, risk on risk off um, event, should there be uncertainty coming from the ele- U.S. elections, we do have uh, markets trading a bit uh, mixed across the region. The Nikkei 225 today is up by about 0.4%, while the ASX 200, in contrast, is down by about seven points in today's session. The South Korean be trading about half a percent higher so far, while the Taiwan weighted exchange is down by 15 points. Out in mainland China, it's also looking split. Shanghai is holding on to very small gains of get this, just three points for the Shanghai Composite. The Shenzhen Bourse, meanwhile, has fallen by about 46 points today. And the Hang Seng out in Hong Kong trading about 137 points higher. They're probably seeing one of the more robust uh, trading moves in today's session, but they're only up by about half a percent. So even the moves up, even the moves down so far across most major markets in the Asia-Pacific, including here in Singapore, not very... um, not entirely remarkable also. It could just be folks just holding on, uh, holding their cards close to their chest at least until we get to that particular moment. And this is more the, and proverbially maybe even markets just holding their breath until we get around that particular election. But again, a lot can happen between now and then. We've still got what about uh, about eleven days to go, I think, before before the, before the poll before the polls, and again, uh, there's a, there could be a bit at stake, and many are trying to at least position themselves for either for uh, for any particular outcome, and also trying to hedge against potential volatility. Keep in mind, 2016 was a reminder that really anything can happen with regards to the U.S. elections, and and hopefully it's just a little bit more smooth in terms of unpredictability this time around. Smooth unpredictability that almost sounds, a little smoother with regards to that. That sounds like a song. Yes, a rock well, one. Uh, uh, <laughs> but the smooth point probably is uh, it's uh, it's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she said last night that uh, the US, that the Congress is just about there on a deal for the for the relief package, 
Uh, however, you know, the, the reality is we, there's still obviously a lot of differences to be negotiated. So uh, still a lot of work to, to be done. And as JP said, we are running out of time. What is it, 11 days until the election? Um, but I don't know. Never, nevertheless, I, I think, uh, you know, the market's held up pretty well. I think I think when we spoke last week, we were at this 25.30 level, right, JP? Yes, there was so. about... It's actually, right now, Jeff, we were we ended the week at 2,533. We're at 2,535, but, uh, you know, pretty much around that particular level. So, again, the, hence why I mentioned it's a bit of... It seems like a bit of sideways action, at least for the markets. I don't know if you mm. have more insight into, into, into this right now. Yeah, I mean, the, but and the range has been real, uh, more, even more narrower than usual this mm-hmm. week. I, I think the high's been around twenty five fifty. That's five zero, and then yes. uh, the low twenty five one five one five. So, so, but, but looking beyond the benchmark, there, there seems to have been somewhat of uh, some ongoing rotation because uh, for the four, first four sessions of the week, we saw the IH Healthcare Index down two percent, and then that trio of well-performing uh, tech stocks. AEM Holdings, Keppel DC REIT, Maple Tree Industrial Trust—they're down around one percent, and uh, and we've also got our IHS REIT Leaders Index down one percent. But then we've got that big cornerstone of the STI, the the three banks. We've got DBS and OCBC both up seven tenths of a percent uh, this week, and UOB up more than two percent, up close to three percent this week, um, which basically brings the month-to-date returns for the three banks to um, you know around six percent thereabouts on average. I think DBS up eight percent, UOB up around six percent, OCBC up five percent, and the last four days we've seen some net institutional inflow into those into those three banks. I think UOB. Uh, has seen the most net institutional inflow of all our stocks listed on SGX over the four, first four sessions of this week, um, above $30 million of net inflows. DBS also saw net inflows around $4.5 million and OCBC close to $6 million net inflows. So, uh, you know, we, we, as we've been saying, that the, these banks in terms of their price performances have been very highly correlated to the, uh, I guess, the biggest quartile of global banks by market value. And these uniform key bank sector themes, obviously, all banks, big banks across the world, they've got the very similar domestic drivers as well as the external drivers, and they've got to have this ability to generate income, have high tier one capital to risk-weighted assets and, and, and bump up their NPLs and so forth. So, uh, you know, it, that, that's, that's, I guess that would be welcome to, uh, to SDI watchers. Over, over the last week, um, uh, and I guess to, to looking just beyond the banks, we've also seen the elements of the market that drew the most net institutional inflows included some logistics manufacturing plays, the likes of Maple Tree Logistics Trust, SD Engineering, SATS again, and Fraser Centre Point Trust and Jardine Cycling Carriage, and, and that handful of stocks as well averaged around 3% gains. So, uh, you know, all in all, while, while, the, while the index and the benchmark itself uh, seems to be even, um, there is a little bit of, uh, you know, that unevenness that we're seeing in the economy transcend into the market somewhat with those uh, sectors that have been performing better this year coming off a little bit and then some of the sectors that are more uh, attuned to a, a, that type of risk-on type of approach have, uh, have picked up a bit this week. Okay, you know, Singapore, we, we always say this, Singaporeans love our property. Now, property, URA released some numbers showing that retail rents were down, vacancies were up, office rents as well down. How is that going to affect the REIT space going into next week? 
Yeah, well, look, the, the, the Urban Redevelopment Authority property price index, uh, if, I, if I remember right, it's up 0.8% mm-hmm. quarter and quarter. So it was exactly the same as the preliminary number that came out right on the first day of the, the, the month. Uh, no difference there. And that, that followed. So that's a moderate expansion from the previous quarter. Just like the second quarter was a, was a moderate, I think, three-tenths of a percent expansion from the first quarter. Um, but for the REITs themselves, they, they, they have, uh, I, guess, I guess, they haven't uh, kept up pace with the benchmark pretty much across the world over the last couple of months or so because uh, in pr- previously we had this long period between, I think, November last year and August this year where the chair of the Fed Reserve had said, you know, we're going to take into account inflation into our uh, targeting um, and, and really try and target that 2% inflation. And uh, for a little while, the, the, the market thought that the, the broad market had thought that the Fed would allow uh, inflation to overshoot somewhat. And you've got to remember, um, inflation uh, in the U.S. has been undershooting for some time. So it kind of implied that the Fed chair would allow inflation to overshoot for some time. And that had um, provided support to U.S. REIT market because REITs are used um, somewhat as a uh, inflation hedge as well in the U.S. And like... like uh, banks in the financial sector, REITs in the financial sector do tend to move similar across the world. There is a somewhat of a correlation across different countries um, across the world, their, their REIT sectors, particularly with the, um, you know, with, 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 with the importance of interest rates and the uh, synchrony of interest rates across the world. But nonetheless, the REIT sector does continue to explain, Clarissa. Um, mm. You, you, we've got a number of uh, you know acquisitions that are and uh, that obviously do uh, involve secondary placements, secondary placements and rights issues and so forth that uh, are continuing to uh, occur uh, on a, on a month-on-month basis here in Singapore. And of course, the REIT sector here is highly diversified across um, you know very much across the region, all the way from up in Japan down to Australia. And across the, across the world, US to Europe. What's interesting also about the URA's uh, recent release is that yes, we did see rental um, uh, uh, retail rents uh, come down, and also offices are coming down. But they also indicated that home prices here rose for a second straight quarter by about zero point eight percent. So there is a bit of a divergence that residential mm-hmm. and home prices going up, and you've got the retail and <clears throat> and uh, these retail and office rents are coming down. Also, perhaps it's also indicative of how sensitive retail and uh, and office rents might be actually commercial rents to a broader economic downturn, perhaps just a bit of resilience and perhaps folks just taking more strength from a lot of the support measures, a lot of the mortgage deferments that have been, that have been doled out to really go out there and perhaps just buy that home or perhaps just look into the, into the residential property. But really, you're seeing, it's interesting to see that there's this bit of a divergence between these two different sectors of the real estate market. I yeah. actually, yeah, Sorry. You know, no, no, I was actually going to say, I think a lot of people, as far as residential properties are concerned, are taking advantage of the low interest rates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and and the, the, as JP said, very very diversified over the type of properties uh, that make up the REIT sector as well. I mean, the uh, so so REITs are now fifteen percent of the STI, one five percent of the STI with Keppel DC REIT joining joining the STI now, and that's 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 a, that's the same uh, weightage that DBS Group Holdings has in the um, in the STI. So the, the combined REITs uh, make up that one five percent. Keppel DC REIT it joined on Monday, and it also announced that its uh, DPU for the third quarter of 2020 
uh, third quarter ending 30, 30 September, that its DPU increased 22%, um, whilst uh, distributable income increased 48%. To forty forty point five million dollars, and they and as I said, uh, many of the REITs do continue to grow their portfolios. Um, they noted that Keppel DC REIT did note some strong leasing momentum, with uh, take ups I think co-location facilities not just in Singapore but also in Dublin. There is a that question actually does get raised to us every once in a while. Is is it you know have people have investors? missed the boat as far as data centers are concerned and this makes it look like maybe not they haven't missed the boat yet if they go in now well that well that's i mean that's the thing when 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 maple tree industrial trust which has uh you know grown its its exposure to data centers uh in in many instances it involves secondary fundraising activities that investors can um, obviously uh participate in um from uh, you know, like Maple Tree Industrial Trust, it, it's moved its I think, data center exposure from uh, 18% in September last year up to uh, around 32%, uh, and then um, then this year bumped it up again from 32% to 39% in June, and then with this Virginia data center that that's brought its data center exposure up to 41%. So from 18% to 41% in the space of 12 months, it's uh, you know whether whether it's mature or not, it's I guess it's uh, it, it it will really depend on uh, the ongoing use of digitalization and co-location in the in the COVID nineteen times. And very interesting, you bring up Maple Tree Industrial Trust there, Jeff. I guess we want to do a bit of a look ahead now. They are, I believe, set to release their earnings next week on Tuesday, and we'll see if some of those acquisitions will start to actually bear some fruit for for Maple Tree Industrial Trust also. And uh, again, you know, the the drive at least towards data centers. If uh, if if it, if uh, the pickup or the advent of data centers becoming important was Five years was five years down the line. I think because of COVID, it's been accelerated to about two. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, I mean, like if we want to talk about next week, of course, we've got a big number as well here uh, at uh, one o'clock on Monday. It's obviously September industrial production because mm-hmm. we were live. I think um, it, 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 last time it was released for the for the August numbers. I think it was a one p.m. on a Friday, and uh, and, it, and remember it was very strong in, in for that month in August. I think it was up thirteen to fourteen percent both on a month on month basis and a year on year basis. Um, however, consensus expectations now uh, for the September number in Monday, they're around I think um, down nine percent month on month uh, for in September, but up three percent year on year uh, we won't know obviously till monday at one o'clock but there will of course be um quite a lot of focus on the sub indices because uh you know like we're talking about the the sort of very uh, different performances in in different sub sectors uh when you look at the edb monthly sub indices of singapore's industrial production there is quite a bit of divide um you know, you, you look at since the end of December last year, your sub-index for Singapore semiconductor industrial production, it's at trading, it's, its index is around 122. So it's, it's, it's moved up to 122 from the end of December to from around 90 levels. And then you've got, um, you know, on the other side, you've got transport engineering, which has moved from, I think, around 110 at the end of December 19 down to 63 in August 2020. So we're obviously going to be keenly watching to see if some of we have a little bit more convergence um, and less of an uneven K-like, um, you know, heartbeat in the uh, in the various sub indices of industrial production, but it's really key number uh, because as 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 we saw for our um, 2023. 
Q advanced estimates um, for GDP. I think manufacturing activity was expected to grow by 2% in the year-on-year in the third quarter, but that was only based on observation, well, mostly based on observations for July and August. So the September manufacturing growth wasn't really worked into those GDP advanced estimates. So if we are um, going to see some possible upward revision to the third quarter GDP growth, um, you'd be looking for numbers in the uh, in the September industrial production that are you know coming in at or above consensus, which, as we said, is expected to be up around three percent year on year, following around thirteen percent year on year growth in August. Well, hopefully something to look forward to. Then this has been Market View Wrap on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio with finance presenter JP Ong and on the phone with Jeff Howie from the SGX. Gentlemen, have a fantastic weekend. Cheers. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.